Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm not joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz Sumra has abandoned me for two whole weeks. He's not on this week's show, and he won't be on next week's show. I don't even know where he's gone, but I really dearly miss him, and I cannot wait till he's back. Until then, it's just myself doing the whole show, and, of course, the listeners. So if you're listening right now, please listen to the end of the podcast. Otherwise, I'll be left all on my own. I just want to point out to the first time listeners that this show, we sometimes call it the world champion boxing podcast. And the reason why we can call it that is because we've got a world champion on the show. So the last two weeks running, we've had world champions on the show. And when I say world champions, it can be former world champions or current world champions. So for the last two weeks, we've had them on. And now this week's show, we've got another two for you. And I promise you next week, we'll have another one. So we're starting to bring on a world champion every single week. And obviously, that's not something that can be carried on for too long. It's simply something we're trying to do throughout August. And the reason why we're trying to do it throughout August is because every single week we like to bring on guests that are relevant to that particular week. So for example, um, if Josh Warrington's fighting on Saturday and Lee Selby fought last Saturday, I'd like to get them both on because they're both relevant because Lee Selby just fought and Josh Warrington will be fighting on the weekend. So I tried to keep every guest on every single week's show a relevant guest. But throughout the month of August, there's barely any fights on. So there's not many boxes to choose from and no one is really any more relevant than the other person, so to speak. So we're just trying to bring you a bunch of world champions. So we don't want it to be a dry August. We want it to be a very exciting August. Now, I'm sorry for rambling on a little bit there. I'm going to get straight down to business now. We're going to start with the review part of the show. And as I mentioned just there, there's not much boxing on. So there's not much of a review part. We're going to dive straight into the interviews after this little segment here. So we're going to start with the review. We're going to start over on Thursday, the 4th of August. A little card that went under the radar over in Hamburg, Germany. Odlanier Solis, I think that's how you say his first name, Odlanier Solis, 20 wins and three losses, of course, a victim of Vitaly Klitschko and more recently a victim of Tony Thompson. He's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. He was a bit of a contender at one point and suddenly no one's really heard nothing about him, but it went very much under the radar, this card. He fought Milos Dovadan, who had a record of two wins and 25 losses. Of course, Solis picked up the win here, a KO in round two but that's it for Thursday we're now going to fly over to the Casino del Sol over in Arizona USA top of the bill Juan Diaz 41 wins four losses against Cesar Vasquez now the corner stopped the fight in the eighth round I think the towel come flying in so Juan Diaz picked up a TKO victory in round eight that's at lightweight so he picks up his 42nd professional win 
But that's it for the Casino del Sol. Now, there's one last fight to mention. That happened over in Oakland, California, USA. This, of course, was Saturday night. Andre Ward, top of the bill, fighting for the vacant WBO International Light Heavyweight title against Alexander Brand. Now, a lot of people didn't know too much about Alexander Brand. 25 wins his record and one loss going into this fight. That one loss, a split decision to Badu Jack in what was his 17th fight. And I think Badu Jack's 10th fight, um, if I'm not mistaken. And Andre Ward, obviously 29 and 0, one of the pound for pound best fighters on the planet. It was on Box Nation, it was on late. I stayed up and watched it, and I've got to say, Andre Ward, um, to be honest, I don't think he stepped on the gas too much. I think he was very, very precise. I think he could have maybe got the man out there, but he didn't, um, you know, he didn't really put his foot down and try to do it. He kind of just played with him a little bit. I think he basically won every single round. It was a shutout. And of course, um, you know, he moves on to that Kovalev fight. But like I say, he was he was a bit impressive. I can't I can't sort of knock him. A lot of people call him a boring fighter. I've got to say, he's not, you know, all of his fights. They're not like they don't really catch the world alight, and this fight was really no different. Again, exquisite footwork, you know, brilliant punch variety, um, very good lateral movement, very good elusiveness. It's just what we see, it's what we come to expect from Andre Ward. It was really no different, but he looked good. You've got to say he looked good, and you know, we're really looking forward to that fight now against Kovalev in November. I really hope it happens. I think there's been a formal announcement possibly this week. I'm not too sure about that, but I, I believe it's going to happen that fight on November 19th, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the 19th of, of November. Where is Aya Sumra when you need him? But that's it for the reviewing, and it was a very, very short reviewing segment, and the reason is because there's really not too much to review. Now, we're going to go straight over to that new part of the show. We've been doing it for a few weeks now, the funny names part of the show. Now, last week's funny name fighter was a guy called Sugar Ray Kyohi. Now, Sugar Ray means that you win fights. Sugar Ray is a name of some great fighters from boxing history, but this Sugar Ray over in Japan hadn't won a single professional contest. He was facing a guy who only had four fights under his belt. I believe this was his chance to capitalize and get a win here. But his opponent, Ruka Shobu, knocked him out in the second round. So Sugar Ray Kyohi still looking for a professional win and he really needs to turn things around. So no disrespect to Sugar Ray Kyohi or any of his following, but I want to see some wins. I really want to see some wins. Apparently Sugar Ray usually means a really exquisite boxer, but certainly not over in Japan. It must mean the absolute opposite. But that's it for last week's Funny Fighter. We're now going to talk about this week's Funny Fighter. There was a few names that I went through, um, a few names that I went through, and I wasn't too sure which one to pick. So I'm going to go through a couple of them. One of them's name was a guy who's fighting over in Thailand, this guy called Peep at Chai Porn. So that was one that I very, very, very nearly went with. Uh, there was also another guy called Hunter Sam, which I quite like the name there. It sounds pretty cool. And then I found one that we were going to have a few weeks back, but his fight got cancelled and his name was Theophilus Dudu. Do you remember Philophilus Dudu? If you've been listening to this show, you will remember who he is. We tried to use him or nominate him as the funniest fighter of the week a couple of weeks back, but his fight got postponed. And because of that, I'm not going to choose him on this week's show. I'm actually going to choose a different fighter. So I'm going to 
talk about his opponent first. His opponent is a guy called Will Tomlinson, who has a record of 25 wins, two losses, and one draw. They're fighting for the interim WBA Oceana lightweight title. It's a fight happening over in Melbourne, Australia. And this is the winner. The winner in the other corner, Mr. Hurricane Future. What a bizarre, crazy name that is. I don't think you can get much more bizarre. His record, 20 wins, six losses and one draw. And I'm hoping that he can win this fight because it seems like every funny name fighter that we pick out ends up losing. So um, fingers crossed here that he can do the business. I really, really hope so. And on next week's show, we will let you know if Mr. Hurricane Future won his out. But that's it for the funny name segment. That's it for the review part of the show. There's one piece of news that I'm bringing you. I assume we usually covers that bit, but there's one piece of news on this week's show, and that is the fact that Marcos Chino Maidana has retired from boxing officially. Now, of course, he got those two fights with Floyd Mayweather. He was in a lot of good fights, man. A fight against Victor Ortiz, I remember, of course, the massive war with Amir Khan. He's been in a lot of good fights. And of course, there's been a lot of photos going around of him lately where he looks absolutely huge. A little bit of comparison between him and Rikishi from WWE and what I've seen um, lately, to be honest. And no one was ever sure if he was actually going to get back in the ring. I kind of thought he'd already retired, I've got to be honest. But officially, he's come out with the statement saying he's retired. And um, it's probably best that he has. You know, I've seen the shape he's in. It will absolutely kill him to try and get back down it's almost like a bit of a Prince Nassim situation and I would never ever come on this show and start knocking the master and one of the best ever fighters from Great Britain but you know he let he let himself go a little bit and in the end he was he always talked about coming back and he you know he'd already he was in he'd already gained too much weight for it ever to be a possibility and it looks like that's pretty much the same with Maidana so we wish him a happy retirement he was a warrior while he was here and of course one win that I left out of the wins there and really it should have been the first one that came to mind was that beatdown of Adrian Broner what a tremendous tremendous fight that was it was so good he beat him in every kind of way didn't he you know he he he, he outboxed him he outpunched him and he even outthrusted him and I'm not going to go into more detail about that but he was absolutely fantastic he really really was absolutely brilliant win there so we wish Chino Maidana a very very happy retirement but that's it for the review in all the little segments it's now time to welcome our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former wbc lightweight world champion mr omar figueroa omar welcome to the show good to be here thank you for having me absolutely absolutely now i want to start with a bit of a cliche question omar how did you get into boxing where did it all start when did you first put on a pair of gloves well i've been doing this since i was pretty much born my dad has has always loved uh loved fighting and uh he he i guess wanted me to be a boxer ever since i was born and he always had me around around you know the sport i mean he never really participated himself he had two amateur fights but he was a street fighter he says he would get in a fight almost every weekend uh in his hometown people would bug him all the time and he just had to learn how to fight so he decided to put me in boxing so I could learn how to, how to uh, defend myself. 
And I know that you had a very short amateur career. Um, why was it so short before jumping into pro? Because, you know, you obviously turned pro. I'm going to get onto your career, but you've had a fantastic pro career. Not really many people can have such a short amateur career and do what you've done in the pro ranks. Why was the amateur career so short? Well, it wasn't actually. Um, I had almost 300 fights in the amateurs. Uh, here in the U.S., I didn't fight that often because we didn't have the money to be traveling everywhere. But uh, I fought a lot in Mexico, right across the border from where I live. I live literally five minutes from the border. Um, so I had about almost 200 fights over there. If not, I'd say a little bit over 200 fights. And here in the States, I only had like 50 or 60. But um, no, I started fighting. My first fight was when I was seven years old. I fought a guy that was 13, and I beat him. And uh, I guess it all took off from there. Wow. How how wrong could I be? All right. No worries. We'll leave that there. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it's okay. Now, now you put, you know, you've put together a superb string of wins. Um, by April 2013, you had 20 wins under your belt at that time and you fought undefeated Abnakoto, probably your best opponent to, um, to that point. Um, you knocked him out in the first round. Now, that win put you in place to fight for the interim WBC world title against Arakawa. You won that fight via a wide decision. You become the interim world champion. Soon after that, you get upgraded to the full WBC lightweight world champion. Now, you defend your title successfully two times. Please walk us through those two defenses, Omar. Well, um, as everyone probably knows that I've been plagued with injuries in my career, um, I'm I'm just happy to, to still remain undefeated and to have been successful in my fights because I've been through some through some hellish things in camp and I'm just I'm just grateful that I was able to pull through because I mean having a fight with fractured hands or or going to camp, you know, because uh, supposedly my hand was good for the fight uh against Burns and ever since I've always just had injuries that, that have hindered my career and I'm just, I don't know, I, I just do the best I can, try and get in the best shape possible, and I always say, I'll just, you get me ready for the fight, you get me to the fight, and I'll figure it out from there. Those two defenses that I mentioned, they're obviously the split decision win over Belmontes and the KO in round nine over Estrada, which was a fantastic win. Would you say the Estrada win is probably the best win of your career thus far? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think um, either my third pro fight here in the in my hometown actually well in my area uh that was a good fight i fought a guy that was really experienced he had been on on espn fights against against uh contenders you know a few times and i was just in my third pro fight and he he was a lot older than i was and i managed to still knock him out in third round and then also my fight against uh michael perez i think that was a defining fight in my career uh, that's a fight when I get, I think everyone started to take me a little bit more seriously. And, uh, so I, I, I like those two fights in my record. Obviously the Arakawa fight just kind of solidified everything that I, that I've stood for and that I've always said about myself that I was willing to put it on the ring and leave it there and blah, blah, blah. You know, I fought through two fractured hands in that fight and, uh, I managed to still remain, you know, to, to win my, my world championship. 
Yeah, of course. Now, obviously, you relinquished the belt. You decided to move up to light welter, I understand. You, you fought Ricky Burns at just over 140 in a really good fight that you just mentioned. It was a, it was a cracking fight. I remember watching that. Um, of course, then you went on to fight Antonio DeMarco at basically light middleweight. You win that fight by unanimous decision also. Now, you haven't officially fought at 140 yet. What weight will you be fighting at when you return the, to the ring, Omar? I'm going to be, uh, well, I'm, I'm still like welterweight. Um, like I said, some things are just out of our control. We put ourselves, well, at least per, me personally, I put myself through hell when I, when I go into camp because I know, I know the kind of fights that I like to deliver. So knowing that, knowing the kind of fights that I put forth, I like to make sure that I'm ready because I know the kind of fighter that I am. And I like to push my opponents to a place where they've never been. And I know that my opponents, when, when I take them there, I know, you know, because I'm comfortable there. I love, I love being in the phone booth fights. I love being in those tough fights. That to me defines boxing. That to me is boxing. And I don't know. I, I, I guess you call me old school, call me whatever you want, but I, I just, I love that fact. So the fact that I, that I prepare myself in, like that is, uh, it leads to injuries. You know, you push your body over the limit sometimes. And I feel like I've done that, um, my my past couple fights. Well, I mean, for the Burns fight, I didn't even really train. I couldn't. I had a fractured hand. Um, so the fact that I was only one pound away, it was a lot of it had to do with the way that PBC ran things. That was my first fight with PBC, and I didn't really know how they how their schedule worked or when the fighter meetings were or when you know anything happened. So I kind of, you know, I kind of, I guess it still ends up being my fault. Um, we just didn't know, obviously we didn't prepare for that. We didn't know. So that's why I was, I was overweight for that one, even though it was just a pound. And for the Marco fight, I just, you know, everything camp went great. I was, I felt like I was in great shape. Uh, I had actually gotten to spar a little bit, which I hadn't been able to spar for like my, my last four or five fights. So I was going in there with, you know, beaming with confidence, but the last, you know, two days before the weigh-in, um, I got sick, and I guess it's just the way we ran our diet. You know, you live and you learn. Uh, but that's why that's why the whole weight thing that that happened. That's why that happened. Not not because of anything else. I I take my job very seriously. You know, I respect the sport, and I and I that's why I fight the way I fight because I feel like I I stay true to the sport of boxing. But it's just some things are out of our out of our control, man. And like, if you've ever trained for a fight, if you've ever put yourself through a through a training camp, you would you understand what I'm trying to say. But I mean, no disrespect to anyone, but that's that's why that has happened at least. And I, and I'm going to try to go back to to 140. God willing, hopefully this break helped. I feel healed. I feel closer to 100. percent And you know, I felt great when I when I'm at the gym. So um, 140 is still the the target. It's great that we've cleared that up because I wasn't too sure because obviously you've had like, you know, I know that you, you, as you say, you're plagued with injuries. You've had two fights really in the last two years, um, but it's good to hear that you're going to be back at 140. Well, you know, starting at 140, which would be good for yourself because I know that you walk around quite heavy. It was surprising. Um, I heard you talk before about how, you know, how heavy you walk around at. You must really kill yourself to get down even to 140. Yeah, well, no, it's not. It's not that hard, actually. It's just a matter of me, you know, dedicating myself and proposing myself to to 
getting down in weight. I mean, it, it's really not that hard for me to lose. Just like, just how it is easy for me to gain it, it's really easy for me to lose weight. Um, but it, like I said, it's just a matter of being healthy. That's that's basically what it boils down to. Just I just that's one. That's the only thing I pray for when I do when I do get to praying is that I'm healthy because I know that I can take care of the rest. I know that my talent, that my strength, that my mind, that my intelligence will will take me through everything else. I just I just hope to be healthy. Yeah, of course, of course. Now um, I wanted to ask you your opinion on. Uh, Dijon's Latikanin, obviously the holder of your old belt. Um, he's kind of, well, he's kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. And now suddenly they're looking at him as one of the, you know, the premium lightweights in the division. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the UK for lightweights right now. Anthony Crawler, you've got Jorge Linares as well. What's your opinion on Latikanin? I don't even know who that is, to be honest. I'm <laughs> anybody. He's, he's, he's the holder of your belt, though. Was you aware of that fact at all? No. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll stick straight with 140 then. You know that obviously Burns has picked up a title now, the WBA. Yes, I heard about that. Is that a fight that you'd be looking for? I know you've already sort of been there and done that and in good fashion, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it'd be an easy belt to pick up, I feel. Um, I mean, if I beat him, I feel like I'd beat him decisively uh, with no training whatsoever. Um, literally, like, I... I swear I'm not making this up. Like I had my hand in the cast for seven out of the eight weeks of training camp. I, I, I fractured my hand on the first day of sparring, first day of camp, first day of sparring. I was sparring this guy from San Antonio, Loco, Loco Hernandez. He's a, he's a pro fighter himself. And, uh, he was down, down here in the Valley. And, you know, he called the us. like, Hey, you know, let's get some work in whatever. I'm like, yeah, oh, fuck, I, I don't, I love sparring. I, you know, getting the room with, with someone that's, that's my bread and butter. So we get in there and I think it's like the second, third round and I threw I throw a right hook to the body and I think I hit his hip bone or his elbow and I heard the crack, the pop, and I was like, ah, I'm fucked. I was like, ah. And, you know, aside from it being painful, it just weighs on you the fact that you have a messed up hand now. So, yeah, you know, I called it. I went to the doctor, got x-rays, got um MRIs, whatever the hell I needed to get done, and it, I, I had a hairline fracture on my hand, so I had to put it in a cast, and I went through the rest of camp uh, with the cast on, and the doctor gave me the green light the week of the weight cut, so I basically, that was it. I just, I had the cast off for, for about a week before the fight, so if I could, if I can beat Burns, I feel like I'd be decisively, and I heard him a few times, um, if I can do that without without any proper training at all, then I I know I can I can win the fight easily with proper training and being at as close to 100% as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying there. And also, what's your opinion on Terence Crawford? Because you know everybody knows that really at the moment he kind of is the man at 140. A brilliant win uh, a couple of weeks ago over Victor Poster mm-hmm. in the unification match. What's your opinion on him? I would. I am. I. I just. I would love to fight him. I mean, not not for anything. I don't. I. I think I respect Crawford a lot because I feel like he's a lot like myself. He's not showboating. He's a uh, quiet. He's he's intelligent in the ring. He's very very crafty. Very good. He's very skilled. And I think that would be just just the challenge. It, it just. I mean, ever since I heard that he won and that he beat Postal, and I know how good Postal is because I. I I caught a, I got a glimpse of the fight against uh, uh, Matisse when he fought and beat Matisse and stopped him. I mean, it's just it's 
so exciting and that to me that is a challenge that i would like to put myself through and i mean that that gets my that gets me going that's something that in boxing is just like man you want to fight the best and he's the best so let's fight him but obviously i need to i need a tune-up fight see how i feel uh see if i can even get down to 140 uh i gotta i just gotta get i i gotta get personally a lot of things in line first um i have a lot going on outside of boxing as well so hopefully, you know, this year we'll get all that settled and I'll be ready to go anytime next year. I'm, I'm still in the gym working out, um, uh, just, you know, waiting for, for a date. That way I can take off for camp and, you know, be ready 100%. And I was going to ask you also, um, any idea at all, you know, what sort of month it's going to be your next fight at the moment? I was shooting for December, but... I have some, like I said, some personal stuff that I got to take care of first. Uh, so I think we're going to have to push that back maybe a month or two. So hopefully January, February next year, I'll be, I'll be back in the ring. Uh, no distractions, no injuries. Hopefully I pray that, that I have no injuries and nothing mentally holding me back. And I'll be at a, at a hundred percent again, almost like I was when, when I was turning, tearing everybody up you know 2012 2013 i was just tearing everybody apart i can't wait to get back to that point yeah i personally think 2013 and 2014 were the two years that you really flourished so far but of course it's not the end of the journey yet i'm sure there's many of years yet to come um you said there about about the fight against crawford you know you'd be looking for a tune-up fight would you only be looking for one tune-up fight before getting at that level well that i um i don't know how my body's gonna react first off. I don't know how if I'm even if I'm even able to get down to 140, which I'm sure I can. I, I shouldn't have any problems with that. But um, but yeah, I'm looking for a tune-up, at least one tune-up fight. I mean, that's to me that I feel like I have to, you know, because I've been it's it's this is the longest layout I've uh, this is the longest time I've been out, out of the ring. Um, so I do feel like I need a tune-up fight, and depending on how I look, how I feel, um. We'll see if I need another, or if we go straight into into uh, you know a, a good title contention fight. And a fight that I would really love to see. A lot of people have mentioned it before. Um, yourself and Adrian Broner. Now I know that obviously he's got a lot going on himself outside of the ring, but is that a fight that that you, you know you could get excited for, get you up for at all? I yes, of course. I anyone wants to shut the the trash talker up. So that's a fight that, of course, I do. I mean, I would have loved to have been uh, Maidana and be the first one to shut him up like that, especially here in, in my home state of Texas in San Antonio. That would have been, I mean, that would have been epic. But, you know, things happen and you got to deal with that. And, you know, now he has two losses, which kind of ruins the fun. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, I've got to say, I don't think anyone could have shut him up quite the way Maidana done it. I mean, he done a few things in that fight that I don't think... Yeah. normal people would do it's, I'm going to talk about the retaliation yeah. that he done I, that, that was a bit uncanny <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so that's why I said you know things happen the way they had to happen and, and that's it we got to move forward <laughs> absolutely now I want to ask you a couple of little fun questions now just before we get off um, I wanted to ask you what fight would you like to see in the world of boxing if you were some sort of promoter god that had control over every single fighter in the world? If there was no politics, it was all down to you to make fights. Which fight would you like to see above all others? Honestly, I don't. I don't feel like I watch boxing enough to know 
even who I just know the the cream of the crop guys like Mayweather, Pacquiao, GGG, Canelo. I mean, I I don't really know much about but I Crawford. You know, I don't really know. I feel like I don't know enough to be able to get a good fight set up. I'll probably just, I'll probably just, you know, go with one of the cliche fights and everyone's going to hate on me for choosing that fight. And it's like, I'd rather not, I'd rather not even (laughs) deal with that. That's all right. That's all right. I'll ask you this then. Um, Out of the cream of the crop fighters, do you have a personal favorite fighter to watch at all? No, I don't even like watching my own fight. (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, that I'm, but I do my job, you know, I, I, well, because I take, I, I'm in camp for like three or four months, you know, I start off slowly, then get into real camp, you know, the last two months of that. So I feel like I devote so much time and because I feel, you know, the way I fight is like, I have to really devote myself. I have to mentally, you know, transform myself to be ready for a fight and not, not just, you know, mentally, but the body has to follow. I have to transform everything. I go from, average Joe to, you know, professional fighter, elite, world-class, whatever you want to call it, you know, fighter in, in those four months. And it, and it takes so much out of, out of me that whenever I am done, whenever I do, you know, I, I come out of my fight, I feel like I've done my job. I have no, I have nothing to do with boxing anymore. That's it. I gave myself to the, to my fans. I gave myself to the sport for those four months, 100%. Like I need a break. I need a, I need some time for me. I need I need to be average, you know, normal human being somewhere for a couple months or for a month or for however long I have for, before my next fight. Be, that way, I feel like it balances me out, you know, because everything has to have a median in life. I feel everything has to have a balance. So it can't all be work. It can't all be play. It has to be there has to be a, a certain balance between work and play that will you keep your sanity. And, um, so that's why I don't know. I, you know, that's why I do what I do. Finally, the last thing I want to ask you, or I want to give you an opportunity to do, you've got a lot of guys over here who are big fans of yourself. Have you got any kind of message for any of your UK supporters? Of course. I mean, I, I hope to someday be able to fight over there. Um, I'd love to go perform and, and, you know, entertain my fans over there personally in person. But, you know, it's just the way it works. I appreciate the support. Um, you know, I, I do have some, some avid uh, UK fans, uh, especially, that message me all the time and that tell me they love my, my, my fighting style and, and the way I fight. And it's just I appreciate you guys. You guys are the reason why I fight the way I fight. And uh, I, I just hope to never disappoint you guys and to keep uh, making you guys proud. Excellent. Listen, Omar, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you this week. I appreciate you giving us a bit of time. Hopefully, we'll see you over in the UK at some point in the future. But until then, take good care, my friend. No problem. Have a great day. Okay, now it's time to begin part two on this week's show. We're going to start with the preview segment. We're going to start over in Lancashire, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, Jack Catterall, 15-0. and 0. He faces Lucas Janik, 16 wins, 20 losses and one draw. I think it's a little bit of a keep-busy fight just to get out one last time. And, of course, we, he's looking to schedule that fight with Tyrone Nurse. He's the mandatory for his 
140 British title, and that really will be a good fight. Also on that bill, Jimmy Kelly, the former world title challenger, of course, he fought Liam Smith, so he's record 18 wins, one loss, of course, to Liam Smith. And he faces Sergei Melis, who has a record of 26 wins and 22 losses. That's it for that card. We're now going to go over to Mexico. The one fight that I want to mention on this bill, Antonio Margarito, he looks to pick up his 40th career win. His record at the moment, 13 nine wins and eight losses he faces Ramon Alvarez who has a record of 23 wins four losses and two draws it's a 12 rounder of 154 and that will be interesting again Antonio Margarito uh, a guy that really I don't think he's got anything else to prove he was a good fighter in his heyday and he's he's well past it now to be honest I'd like to see him hang him up but you know a lot of boxers get this thing you know a lot of boxers just can't hang up the gloves and the next fight that we're going to be previewing is certainly featuring another boxer who suffers from exactly the same thing we're going to go straight over to Pensacola Bay Center in Florida USA Roy Jones Jr. at the moment his record 63 wins and nine losses he had a short-lived retirement after being knocked out by Enzo Macronelli but he's back I think he's had one fight since that fight and this is his second fight since that fight I believe he faces is Rodney Moore. Rodney Moore, who has a record of 17 wins, 11 losses, and two draws. This at Cruiserweight. Roy Jones Jr., again, a man that really has nothing left to prove whatsoever at all, but he's still boxing because he just cannot hang up those gloves. But that's it for the previewing on this week's show. Again, it's been very, very short, the review segment and the preview segment. And that's really the way it's going to be for the next couple of weeks because there really isn't too many fights on throughout August, as I said earlier. So we're going to just be diving straight into the interviews on the next couple of shows. And obviously, when September rolls around, it will be a bit more busy. There'll be a bit more fights to talk about and a bit more talking. And obviously, the shows will last a little bit longer. So we've had Omar Figueroa on a little bit earlier it's now time to welcome our second guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the current ibf featherweight champion of the world mr lee selby lee it's great to have you back on the show thank you i'm glad to be here man <laughs> thank you brilliant stuff now lee i want to ask you about a few fights that have taken place in your weight category recently but before we get to that i want to revisit the 9th of april your second defense of your world title against eric hunter in hindsight do you think you might have underestimated him at all no i i didn't underestimate him but i think the british public might have i i, I knew his background i knew he was a, a great amateur with a record of something like 150 fights with only about five defeats so to do that in America, he's got to be a good fighter. And as a professional, they've seen the two losses on his record, but them two come by disqualification. And the, the one disqualification I watched, he knocked his opponent clean out, and they said it was after the bell, but it wasn't. And the other one was for low blows, which, which was a bit dodgy too. So I, I knew he was a great fighter. Okay, and obviously, you know, for in that second round, uh, something happened to you that had never been that had never happened in your in your program. Yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never slipped fight before. I've never slipped. <laughs> <I've> never <laughs> slipped yeah, he caught me. He me a good shot, but um, you know what? As soon as soon as I got up, I knew, I knew my head was clear, but my legs were fine, so I just just took the count and um, just got on with the job. Yeah, I think, you know, after that, after that, the early couple of rounds, um, when you started working everything off the jab, that's when you were clearly winning rounds. It was smart boxing from yourself. Um, 
Okay, now I want to ask you about a couple of other fights. I want to start with the Warrington against Highland fight. Now, Highland was coming off of a big loss to Gary Russell Jr. Warrington coming off of an impressive win. I must say, I was very impressed with Warrington, actually. I thought he boxed fantastic. Did you manage to catch that fight at all, Lee? I, I didn't watch the fight. No, I was out in, in um, New York for the Santa Cruz Phantom fight. Yeah, of course. All right, well, we'll go on to that. Um, as as I say, I know that you flew out to New York for that fight. Firstly, how were you treated out there in the States, Lee? Obviously, you know, you, you've you've defended your title over there. Did a boxing yeah. fan show you love over there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I was treated well. I, I had a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of fans. And there was a lot of Irish Irish um, fans out there, too. They've seen me box, boxing Belfast on an undercard of Carfampton early on in my career, so... So there was a lot of Irish fans that come over for photographs and autographs and stuff. But there was also American fans that wanted to meet me too, which I thought was nice. Yeah, very good. And your thoughts on the fight? Obviously, you were sitting there ringside. What did you think of it? I know that it was a pro-Irish crowd on the night. It was a bit yeah. surprising, to be honest. But what did you think of the fight? Do you think that the right man got the verdict? I thought it was an excellent fight. And watching it live, I thought it could have went either way. Like before the fight, I, I said I couldn't pick a winner. And, and even at the final bell, I couldn't pick a winner. If they give it to Santa Cruz, I wouldn't have argued with that. But they give it to Frampton, you can't argue with that either. I thought it was a very close fight. Even a draw would have been a, a fair result, I thought. Yeah, either mine could have, could have won it for me. Yeah, yeah, it was very close. Now, back in December of last year, when we had you on the show last time, I think that... I said that I think that you against Russell Gary Russell Jr. would be a cracking fight. And I know yeah. that you both met at the Frampton Centre Cruz fight. Was that the first time that you've met? Yeah, first time I've seen him, first time I met him. Did you and, get to um, size him up at all, Lee? Yeah, I, I always size him up. I sized him up before he even seen me in the place. But then <laughs> when I was sat next to him, I, I could see out the corner of my eye, you sized him up too. But like I'd already checked him up before he even seen me, before I even knew I was in the arena. But, um... You know, he's a, he's a lot shorter than me. Very, very broad, though. Thick And I, I think he's a, he's a great fighter. I saw a tiny, like, 10-second clip of you both talking. I know that he expressed his desire to fight you. Seemed a tiny little yeah. bit disrespectful. What did you make of that whole thing, Lee? Well, to be honest, at, at the time, we, we was at the venue. It was really loud. We didn't have, like, an earpiece in. Just, just a microphone. So I, I couldn't really catch what he was saying. But then I, people said they seen on the TV... He was being disrespectful, but like he's just like a typical, like an American type of bit of a cocky, brash, brash American. But um, you know, like I said, I, I take the ball off us. Okay, okay. Now um, I want to ask you about a fight that I've really been asking everybody about. It's it's up at. Well, it's up at middleweight now. Brooke against Golovkin. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big ask for Brooke. We all know. Lee, what's your yeah. opinion on this fight? Has, has Brooke got any chance here? Um, I'd like to say yes, but if I'm being honest, I don't think yes. Um, you know, Brooks an excellent boxer, a great counter puncher, and he and he can punch, but that but that's down at bloody welterweight. He is a big welterweight, I know, but a big welterweight isn't isn't a big punching middleweight. And, um, yeah, for sure. Golovkin's just known for being a big puncher, but also look at his amateur record, hundreds of fights at international level. He's a very skilled, skilled operator. He can, he can box very cleverly too. So um, you, you just got to favour favour Golovkin like everybody else. Yeah, you do. Now I see that you've been a little bit of a pundit lately, kind of thing. I know that they had the, they had you in the studio in uh, for yeah. Sky not too long not too long back. Would you enjoy doing that, Lee? 
Um, to be honest, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I'd say no, it'd be the, it'd be a nightmare for me. It'd be the worst one I'd ever do. But the more I'm doing it, the more the more comfortable I'm getting, and and I'm I'm finding it quite fun. But like a okay. few years ago, I think you you put a camera in front of me like three years up, I can get a couple of words on. But now I'm getting more relaxed, more experienced, and I am starting to enjoy. If I had like some sort of media training or something like that, I'd be better again. But I've never had media training. I've just had to go with the flow. Yeah, no, you're good at it. You're good at it. Like, um, I know, I know my boxing inside out, so I'd probably be good at the job if I could come out of my shower and be a bit more outspoken. Because like I, I watch, I watch, I know boxing inside out. Yeah, for sure. Now. Have you got any idea when you're fighting next league? Because a lot of people, I know that you, it's not been too long since you last fought, but a lot of people yeah. really desperate to, to to know to know when you're next out. Yeah, I only boxed in April, but even for myself, it seems, seems like a long time ago. Yeah. For some reason, but it's only it's only a few months. But ideally, I'd like to, to fight end of October, November. Have you got your eye on anyone? Well, I, I went out to New York with, with my eyes set on the winner of that fight. But but now I'm here in Santa Cruz had a, had a rematch clause if if he lost the title, so I think my they might be straight in an immediate rematch. But um if if that if they don't have a rematch, I, I'd like to like to fight Carl Frampton. That'd be a massive fight in the UK. And is that your is that what you want most? Because I was going to ask you which fight would you like the most out of Frampton, Warrington, or Gary Russell? It'd have to be be Frampton. He's the most well known. He's a, a form. He's a a former super bantamweight champion, and he's a featherweight champion. So he's a two weight world champion, and he's a world champion in the UK. Uh, uh, my weight. How, how can I call myself a world champion if, if I'm not even the best in the country? And that's the same with him. He shouldn't be able to call himself a world champion if, he, if he's not the best in the country. So I believe yeah. we have to fight to, to find us. It would be a cracking fight. Now, just a quick little note on the Olympics. Have you been watching the Olympics, Lee? Obviously, we've had a bad run the last couple of days. Unfortunately. Um, you know, the sole Welshman of the team has been knocked out yeah. too. I see, of course, I, I've been following Joe Cordina. He's, he's a teammate of mine. We, we spy regular. So I, I've been watching him closely. I, I think he, he underperformed him in both fights. I've seen what he's capable of and it's a lot better than that. Maybe his opponents were better than what I give him credit for and didn't let him box to the best of his ability. But um, I, I know he's, a, he's capable of a lot more. I, yeah. I'd like to see him turn pro now and, and start fresh and new, new career as a professional. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys will. Um, and just a quick note on your brother, Andrew. How's he getting on? I know he's been absolutely flying professionally, already picked up the yeah. British. Very proud of him. How's he been getting on? Well, we're, we're just waiting for news today, actually. They, they've made Kevin Satchel mandatory for his British title and the purse bid are due in today. Well, they must have been submitted already. Oh, so wow. That news on him later on this evening. Oh, I should have called you a bit later. <laughs> now, just before I let you go, Lee, I want to give you a chance to send out a message to any to any of your fans. Um, you know, obviously in Britain, any shout outs to anyone, any thank you to any sponsors. Now's the time to do so. Um, I'd, I'd like to thank a few of my sponsors: SHS Scaffolding from from Bali, um, Capital Cabs of Cardiff. Shaman Donicky, Nina Estate Agents, Live Lean, and um, yeah, that's it with the, with the shout out and, and to my supporters and fans, just just keep following me. I'll try to put myself in, in some big and exciting fights. 
And thanks for the support. Absolutely. Listen, Lee, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, my friend. Thanks for giving us a bit of time this week and we'll no doubt speak again soon. No problem. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 45 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Sumra, hasn't been here. You have been absolutely fantastic. If you've listened this far on this week's show, you are a star. And we thank you from the deepest parts of our hearts. A massive thank you as well to our two guests on this week's show, both world champions, Mr. Lee Selby and Mr. Omar Figueroa. Remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at box hard podcast we've done 45 shows now and we've had 92 guests and every single moment of it has been an absolute pleasure i'll be back next week alone once again but until then take care